The title of today's sermon is simply, Show Me Your Glory. Show Me Your Glory. The first song we sang today, the bridge to it, Show Us, Show Us Your Glory. Show Us Your Power. Show Us Your Glory, Lord. Moses had a unique relationship with the God of the universe. We've spoken about Moses' encounters with God. In fact, Mount Sinai seems to be the spot. It was the spot right outside Mount Sinai where God revealed himself as Yahweh in the burning bush as Moses was serving his father-in-law as a shepherd on the backside of the desert. But Moses had a unique interaction with God that day like you and I have never had. Moses had interactions with God throughout the time of the plagues with Pharaoh and going back and forth and miracles that took place by the hand of Moses that were obviously the power of God on him. As the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and began their wilderness travels, we see Moses several times directly communicating with God, hearing directly from God, getting water for the people, getting manna for the hungry, Moses had a definite, unique relationship with the God of the universe. Here, recently, over the past two to three Sundays, we've highlighted his encounter a second time, this time up on Mount Sinai, and this was the receiving of the, the law, the Ten Commandments, the moral law, and we, we've spoken about the law and the implications there. Last week, we, talked, we spoke a little bit of Moses, well, within the last two weeks, of Moses coming down from that Mount Sinai and God saying you need to get down there the people are already breaking the commandments that I'm giving you right now they've convinced Aaron to construct an idol and they're down there bowing down to an idol and even while you're up here still talking to me that's kind of where we left off as Moses reprimanded the people he reprimanded Aaron but he also stood as an intercessor on behalf of the people to God and he stayed God's hand of judgment on the people. And today's message picks up immediately following Moses the intercessor. God instructs them to leave that area, the backside of the desert, that Sinai area, and begin more of their wilderness journey. In today's message, we're going to take a closer look at the incredible relationship that Moses had with God. And my, my goal today is very simple. It is for those of us, every single living, breathing person in this room today, that have some sort of relationship with our Creator, to when we leave today, have a desire to seek a deeper, closer relationship with our Creator. Okay, we're all on equal ground here. You say, well, I've not been in church. Okay, that's fine. We're all on equal ground here understanding that we have a relationship with our creator, but that we can always grow closer, deeper, more intimate in that relationship, knowing him and him knowing us. So that's my goal today is that you leave here saying, I may not know a lot about the Bible. I may not understand a lot of the things that are written in here. I'm a simple person, but I do know this. I know that 
God Almighty created me. I know Jesus saved me, and I want a closer relationship with the one who created me and the one who saved me. That's a simple, that's a simple goal today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Illuminate our minds, our eyes. Help us to leave here today wanting more of you in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How did Moses develop this relationship with Jehovah God? How did Moses develop this relationship with Yahweh? How did he develop this? Certainly, there was a unique calling on the life of Moses. Certainly, from the beginning, from the birth of Moses, how he was miraculously spared at a time when they were killing every firstborn son. From the very beginning, we knew that Moses had a unique calling on his life. And we know that God was going to use him in a mighty way. He showed him and spoke to him that way through the burning bush. However, there's some elements in this passage we're going to be in today that I believe can help guide us as we pursue a closer relationship with God. Number one, I want us to see this, a place set apart. A place set apart. Exodus chapter 33 is where we are this morning. If you do not have your Bible, that is completely fine. It will be on the screen behind me. But in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 7, Scripture says Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. And so it was whenever Moses, uh, sorry, so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Uh, Moses was fresh off of his intimate encounter with God. He was fresh off his Mount Sinai experience of receiving the Ten Commandments and, 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 and meeting with God. And so he sets up what Scripture calls the tabernacle of meeting, a place a little ways away from the area where the children of Israel would camp. This would be the place where one would go to seek the Lord, where someone would go to seek the presence of the Lord. Now, this is different from the, the tabernacle that will that will be spoken about here in the next few chapters but this was a temporary meeting space but it was a specific place and it was set apart for deep meaningful conversations and encounters with God this was a specific place it was set apart it was it was far from the camp it was removed from the everyday hustle and bustle of life it was a place that was not going to be overrun by people interrupting it was going to be a place where you went to specifically because you knew in this place it was a quiet place and it was a place that was that was away from the noise and away from the chaos and it was a place where Moses and others could go into that tabernacle and say God I want to I want to know you more I want to I want to talk to you more I want to hear you more I want to listen to you more. It was a set apart place, a holy place, if you want to call it that. And this morning, I simply ask you very simply, 
Do I have such a place? Do you have such a place? You say, I, believe, I thought when Jesus came, he came and abolished the temple and tabernacle worship. He did. I'm not saying that a specific place is required. I'm asking you, do you have a place where you can either look back on and say, I remember in this quiet place, this is where God really spoke to me in this way. Hey, I remember in this place at this time in my life when I was struggling more than I'd ever struggled before. And I remember when I understood God in a unique way. I remember when his spirit spoke to me in a unique way. Maybe it was that car ride home from work. And you hadn't told anybody, but maybe you had to pull over. And got home a little bit late because you were crying and you couldn't drive properly. Because there was a place where God was kind of uniquely speaking to you in that moment. You say, God, uh, Josh, do you believe that God speaks in like signs and wonders and, 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 and different things like that? Now, I believe he can do whatever he wants to do. I believe he can do whatever he wants to do. And so I ask you, do you have a place? I ask me, do I have a place? I, I, I know of... Christians much greater and closer to God than I am that have maybe a spot out in their backyard or in the woods somewhere that they go and it's just their prayer. It's their, it's their area to pray. It's their area to draw, to draw close to the Lord in prayer and Bible study. There's a place on this property that's kind of, since we've been here since August, that I've kind of decided like, hey, I'm, this is where I think I can get away a little bit. I think this can be a place where I can kind of block out everything that's going on and where I can really focus vertically. I'm not going to give the whole story, but I can take you to an apartment complex over off of Ellis Road and I can show you a spot in a living room where before this church was planted the week before, I basically told God, if he's not in this, I'm not in this. And to feel the overwhelming presence of, of God saying, go, do it. I can take you to that place. And what I'm saying this morning is that we need to create space. We need to create margin in our lives for God to be able to speak to us. You say, Josh, what are you talking about? Well, if you're not careful, here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow morning at 5.30, your alarm clock's going to go off. And you're going to wake up. Oh, no, no, you're not. Let's not lie. You're going to hit snooze once, maybe twice at 5.30. So by 6 o'clock, you're awake. And you're like, oh, man, I should have got up at 5.30, but it's now 6. I need to be at that first job at 7.15. So I need to leave the house by 6.45. And you know, if I can get out by 6.40, I might be able to pop into Biscuitville um, and get me a little breakfast. And you know what? I should be off. Hey, honey, I'll be home tomorrow around 530. 
And if we're not careful, 5.30 turns into 6.30 because, you know, this happened and I needed to, to stay and help this. Or, or I, I'm, maybe I'm a small business owner and, and there was a fire to put out, not a real fire hopefully, but a fire to put out over here and I had to go talk to this customer here and I had to run here and I had to run there. Or maybe you're not a, 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 a small business owner but someone tells you what to do and they're like, sorry, we're staying late today because we have to get this done. And before you know it, it's 6.30. And you're like, oh, well, I'm hungry. I mean, I, I, got, I had to kind of eat and run for lunch today, and so I had, I had dinner today. And you know what? My kids, oh, my goodness, I forgot I had kids all day long today. I completely forgot that I had them. They're learning online, right? Um, keep telling yourself that. Um, but, uh, but they're online. Oh, my goodness, I'm not spending time with my kids. And dinner, maybe I can make both of those work at the same time. And, oh, no, right, right when I sit down for dinner, the phone rings. Am I, is this, this is life, right? Oh, man, my phone ring. I don't want to take this as my family time, but I see who this is, and I really need to take this phone call because it could be something serious. So you take that phone call, and it's probably not something serious, but 15 minutes later, you're back at the, lunch, the dinner table. And by this time, it's 7.15, and you're like, oh, man, do you guys have any work to get done for school? Like, I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, let's sit down. And let's, let, let's watch a, a, a TV show together maybe as a family. And before you know it, it's 8.30, and you're like, oh, man, i got to get up tomorrow morning at 5.30. Oh, there's dishes. Forgot about the dishes after dinner. Oh, you know what? Christmas decorations. We've been putting it on the back burner. You said you would do it the day after Thanksgiving. If I'm not careful, you know what I just did? I lived a day with no place. If I'm not careful, I just went a, a full day and I didn't have a time now, I'm not, I'm not trying to be legalistic this morning. I'm not telling you that you need to every single day at the exact same time at the exact same place go in, and go in there and open up your Bible and mark your checklist of how many chapters you read. And I'm not saying you have to do that, but I am saying this. What you schedule, you will do. What you leave off your schedule, you probably won't do. And so I'm asking you this morning, in the hustle and bustle of your life, in the holiday season that gets a little busier, I'm simply asking you this question, is there room for Jesus in your life? Christian, justified one, is there room for Jesus in your, in your everyday life? I'm simply asking you, is there a place, and maybe it's in your truck or in your car or in whatever. Those have been some great times for me. If I'm driving by myself, sometimes I'll, there'll be a song that I would play or something and I would just man God just overwhelming in that in that moment and I would put it on repeat put it on repeat and then I text Tim Tim we need to do this one um, you know whatever whatever it is we need to do this one next couple months but whatever it is this morning do we have a place you see Moses had a set apart place where he and the other leaders and the other people of Israel could go. And that's where they could get away. And that's where they could hear from God. I want to challenge you this morning to make some time to seek to know God deeper. I promise you if you seek after him, he's seeking you harder than you're seeking him. I promise if you open your heart to him, he's been waiting and ready to completely meet you where you are. There's a God-sized void in all of our lives.
that only he can fill. So number one, we see the place that it was set apart. Number two this morning, I want us to see this simply, a friendship unmatched. A friendship unmatched. We're back in our text, Exodus chapter 33. Look at verse 9, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud, that was the, the visual of the presence of the Lord, the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Verse 10, all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door, because they knew God was meeting at that moment with Moses, but verse 11, I don't understand this verse. I'm going to try to explain it. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but a servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. There's a lot there. I'm not even going to get into it. Joshua will be the one who takes over for Moses and actually leads the people into the promised land. An incredible leader, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> Joshua, the, by the way, the Old Testament name for Jesus, if I do say so myself. Um, anyway. The Lord spoke to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. I think that perfectly sums up my desire in a relationship with my creator. I would like to communicate with God as a friend speaks to a friend. Far too many of us have been raised that God is a tyrannical dictator. And when you disappoint him, the wrath comes. And if you can possibly muster up enough good, every now and then you'll feel the warmth of his embrace and his hug. And we see God as this Santa Claus. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So you better be good. And God's nothing more than Santa Claus. But not with Moses. He spoke with Moses and conversed with Moses and interacted with Moses as a friend interacts with a friend. There are other portions of scripture that, that instruct us to interact with God as if he's our, our father, but not in that like father type of appeal, but in that dad. Even more so, specifically, daddy, as a little kid, looks at his daddy. John chapter 15, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love is no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. 
No longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. This is Jesus speaking. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Not only do I believe we need a a place, and whether that is a regimented exact place, exact time every day, that would be great. I'm just saying, do we have a a, a place? Not only do we need that, but we need a deep, abiding, real, authentic, close-knit relationship as a friend to a friend. Hey, what do we say? Man, that, what would you say about your closest friends? What would you say about them? I can be myself around them. Right? Well, listen, you can be yourself around your creator. He created you. He knows everything about you. He knows more about you than you know about you. You can be yourself around him. Well, you know, my, my boys, right? Like, when I'm with my boys, like, when I mess up, like, they just... They still accept me, and like I'm not booted out of the friend group just because I'm at. Oh, okay. But when you have a relationship with God as a friend, guess what? There's grace for that. And 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 for that. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Well, I just feel like when I'm with my, my friends, my close friends, man, it's just like, I can just kind of let go and just like, I mean, you know, like they, they got my back and like, I could just, okay, you can let go. He's got your back. He made your back. <laughs> what I'm saying is this morning, no matter where your relationship with God is this morning, I'm saying, can we grow deeper? I'm saying, can we draw closer? And not that our relationship would any longer be a distant relationship. Not that we would no longer just see him on Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter. But he would be our friend. The one that we wake up in the morning and we check our text. The one that we, when, when the phone rings and that friend calls... Hey, Nate, man, I'm sorry, dude. I know we're talking real quick. I got to take this, right? Because it's, my, it's my, my, my boy. There are a few people like that in this life. Like that I will stop what I'm doing if so-and-so calls because I, it could be something important. And that is, Sarah knows these certain people. It's just, they're very, very close with me. Okay, God. Can we seek a friendship? Listen, the God of the universe through his son Jesus, is offering to be your friend. Not to be your wrathful dictator, but to be your friend. Moses had an unmatched friendship. Number three, I want us to see this this morning. His presence was promised. His presence promised. We're just continuing in the text if that's okay with you. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord. See you say to me bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. 
You remember Moses always needed somebody, right? When Moses was not wanting to go to Pharaoh, who did God send with him? Aaron. Moses always needed somebody. By the way, so do we. Let's be real. We all kind of need somebody. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me, yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found grace in my sight. We can't stop there, man. I want to. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And this is what God said in verse 14. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses responds, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Go back home today and read Exodus 33, 12 through 17. And let it minister to your soul. I don't know about you, I applied this this morning to our church. And where God has us taking our next steps as a church. And what he has for us. And I simply say this, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. God, if you're not moving among us, and God, you are not leading this, and God, you are not, uh, you are not constructing this, and God, you are not the, in the forefront of this, and you are not the peak of this, then do not bring us up from here. And as I, as I have begged in prayer, I have simply heard my God say this, my presence will go with you, and not only that, I will give you rest. Mm. God, I'm Moses and I'm leading the, 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 the children of Israel, hundreds of thousands, millions, potentially, children of Israel. We're just going in the desert. You told us to leave where the area that we were at, and so we're leaving. But God, we're not going anywhere if you're not going with us. We're not going anywhere. We don't know what's out there. We don't even know where we're headed next. I'm not going, God, unless you are going with us. And God says, not only will my presence be with you, not only, but I'm going to give you rest. Now, this is a unique story in Scripture. I'm not going to try to apply this 110% to every single person in this room. But I will say in this instance, God did not only promise his presence to Moses during this time of unknowns, but he also gave Moses rest. And so I'm not for our church just praying for God to be with us, even though that would be plenty in this chaotic season, in this 
in this unknown that we face somewhat moving forward, I am asking him not only to be with us in this chaotic season, but I'm asking him to give us rest in the chaos. Rest in the chaos. Our church history, if you're new here or you're here for the first time today, is we're in the middle of a merger with the church that's occupied this building since 1955. Am I correct? Right around there. In the mid-1950s. There's a, there, there were votes and there were uh, questions and there were talks. And, and then on January 1st, uh, make these things official as we kind of move into this neighborhood and want to minister to this neighborhood. And, and we'll walk out today and we'll see people out in this park with their kids or with their, 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 uh, their dogs or whatever. And we just see people that were like, we want to share the love of Jesus with those people. We want, want those people to find the love of Christ like we did. And, but if God's presence doesn't go before us, we're just playing games. And can I say this? I believe not only does God's presence, not only will God's presence move forward with us, but as we tackle projects around this building and as we tackle outreach opportunities, I think not only will God give us his presence, but I firmly believe that God will give us a calmness and a peace and a rest so that when you talk to your friends in two years and they say, man, explain to me how in the world all that stuff happened at y'all's church. Like y'all were meeting at a school and blah, 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 blah. You can go, honestly, you would think it'd be super stressful and you would think that we'd be like, you know, stretched very thin and there would be, but you know what, honestly, God's kind of given us rest. And he's done some amazing things. But man, God's really given us a peace and a calm, and a rest. You see, when God's presence is wanted, I believe as a friend, as a daddy, as a father, oh, it's there. Here's the problem, this little uh, Christmas play on words. We oftentimes simply want the presence from God. The PS5, we just want presence. We don't actually want his presence. Lastly, and we're done. So we've seen a place set apart, a friendship unmatched, his presence promised. Lastly, his glory displayed. His glory displayed. Verse 18, Moses, and he said, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. So we would gather from this that as Moses was speaking to God face to face as a man would speak to his friend, that there was something that was still hiding the face of the the visible face of God. Verse 20, but he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. 
but my face shall not be seen. Granted, I don't know all the ins and outs and the specific intricacies of this text. Um, We're talking about the God of the universe. We're talking about the great I am, Yahweh. I cannot explain to you some of the details in this passage other than he's a holy God. But John Piper speaks of the glory of God like this. Defining the glory of God is impossible, I say, because it is more like the word beauty than the word basketball. If someone says that they have never heard of a basketball, that they don't know what a basketball is, and so they say to you, define a basketball, then that wouldn't be hard for you to do. You would use your hands, you would say, well, it's like a round thing made out of leather and rubber and about 10 or 9 inches in diameter. You blow it up, you inflate it so it's pretty hard. You can bounce it, you can throw it to people, you can run while you're bouncing it. There's this hoop at the end, but it used to be called a basket, and it used to actually be a basket. And you try to throw the ball through the hoop, and that's why it's called a basketball. They would have a pretty good idea of what that is. They would be able to spot one and tell you that was different from a soccer ball or different from a football. But you can't do that with the word beauty. There are some words in our vocabulary that we can communicate, that we can communicate with, not because we can say them, but because we see them. We can point. If we point at enough things and see enough things together and say, that's it, that's it right there, that's it. We might be able to have a common sense of beauty. But when you try to put the word beauty into words, it is very difficult. Such is the glory of God. I can't define it like a basketball. I can't say the glory of God in the Old Testament here meant this. Here are seven points of the glory of God. can't say that to you. I can say similar to every uh, man in this room who has a significant other. She's beautiful. What do you mean by that? Well, you could probably tell me some things. But you can't describe what that word means. But I tell you what, when she walks into the room, that's it. That's it. Man, let me explain to you the beauty, ironically, of the mountains in southern India. I've been there on a mission trip. Let me explain to you the beauty. I can't. But when we got there, and we got off the airplane, and we drove around, and we rounded the corner, and we could see them, that's it. See, God's glory is similar. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 3 seems to closely link God's glory with God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. In fact, we sing that. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. With our feeble eyes and with our feeble minds, we cannot fully experience nor comprehend the glory of God. All I know is this, the glory of God was even deeper than Moses speaking to God face to face as a friend speaks to a friend. He had done that. And God said, when I pass through, you cannot see my glory. It was deeper even 
than talking to God face-to-face as a friend talks to a friend. You couple that with his holiness. All I can say today about the glory of God, we can long for it. We can seek it in our private worship. We can seek it in our public worship. We can seek it in our relationship with him in that, in that place that we set apart. We can seek it. I don't know what it would be like. I don't know what the experience. I have no idea. I wasn't there in this time. Do I even, I'm not even sure that God's glory would be displayed to any human being anymore. It's not like every great man of scripture or great lady in scripture experienced this. All I'm saying is there's a deeper holy side of God that maybe we will only experience one day in heaven. But it's a deep holy side of him that Moses had to turn his head and God even had to put his hand over in the cleft of the rock as he passed by. You say, that's kind of deep or odd this morning. Fine. My goal today, stated at the beginning of the sermon, was that wherever you are in life and your relationship with your creator, that you would leave here today wanting that relationship to be deeper and stronger. Period. You say, Josh, I have a time regularly where I communicate with the Lord in prayer and I, I read my Bible and I have time of worship. Or, Josh, I can't remember the last time I cracked open my Bible. I have no idea. I open it and it's like reading a foreign language. I have no clue. No matter who you are, you can leave today wanting a closer, deeper, more meaningful relationship with your Creator. There's a closeness with God that we must desire and we must pursue with every fiber in our beings. He loves you. He will never leave you astray. See, Josh, maybe this was just for Moses. And you know, if this was the only book of the Bible we had, the book of Exodus, I'd maybe say, yeah, maybe you're right. Just so happens here in December... We're going to celebrate the fact that God wrapped himself in human flesh a couple thousand years later. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus. Listen, the disciples and those that experienced Jesus in the New Testament were able to experience God in a whole different way than Moses did. They were able to tangibly interact with Jesus. And you say, wow, how incredible would that be, right? How, would, how incredible would it be to be one of those sitting there hungry, one of the 5,000 sitting there hungry and watch this little, little this, this boy of maybe Titus's age walk up there with his lunch and say, God, I, I, to the disciples, I can't do much, but if Jesus can use my lunch, awesome. And we see Titus's lunch. I mean, how incredible would that be? Well, guess what? Jesus died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again, and then he ascended. The tangible Jesus is no longer seen on this earth. So how can we experience God like Moses? Were we, were we there when God, Jehovah God was speaking to Moses in the burning bush? No. Were we alive on this earth when Jesus wrapped, God wrapped in flesh, Jesus roamed the earth and performed miracles and preached? No, we weren't. 
But as, as, as he ascended, he did not want to leave us comfortless. He gave us his spirit. See, Josh, why have we talked a lot about the Holy Spirit in the last year? It's because the Holy Spirit is the access to God that we have. Period. So I tell you today, I say simply this today, our access point to God is not in a burning bush. Our access point to God is not on a, on a hillside somewhere in the Middle East where Jesus tangibly is performing a miracle. I tell you this morning that your access to God is in the person of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said that we would do greater things in the, through the Holy Spirit's power than even he did on this earth. And so to really boil it down this morning, desire the Holy Spirit and his power in your life. Seek the Holy Spirit and his guidance in your life. And before you go off to work tomorrow and say the things that you want to say, seek the Holy Spirit. Before you walk in to work tomorrow and face the person or people that have rubs you the wrong way for months. Seek the Spirit. Husbands, before you interact with your wives, seek the Spirit. Wives, before you interact with your husbands, seek the Holy Spirit and His guidance and His leading and His comfort. Parents, before you discipline your children in anger, seek the Spirit. Children, before you even consider disobeying what's said to you from your parents, seek the Spirit. Listen this morning, show me your glory. That's up to God. All I know is this, is I want a deep, real relationship with my Creator. That's all I, that's all I can tell you this morning. And I just pray and I hope this morning that maybe a spark was lit in you. That no matter where, you, that's what I love about today's message, no matter where you are in this relationship, that you can just seek a deeper one, a stronger one. This isn't an elitist message today. This is a every single person in this room, let's ask for the same thing today. Just a little closer, just a little deeper, just a little more meaningful. If you're here today and that relationship with God is non-existent. If you, if man to man, woman to woman, if that relationship today is not there, then listen, the very first step is to come to him. That first part of the song we sung today, justification, to come to him in your sin as you are, not putting up a front, taking off, ironically taking off the mask um, and saying, God, this is who I am. I don't know anything other than the fact that I need a savior. I need Jesus. And on my own, I've tried and I can't. I try and I fail and I try and I fail. Listen, maybe today the relationship that you need to step into is a real relationship with Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you were to leave this earth, and God forbid any of us leave this earth anytime soon, but if you left this earth and you stood before God, how would you give an account for your sin? Simple question. There's a man that I get my haircut at the same spot with, and we've been connected with my cousin. He played 
Uh, this guy played baseball at UNC. He's now sports agent. We were able to connect for a while. And I asked him about his testimony. He's got a great testimony for Christ. He said, man, I was at a baseball camp as an adult helping. And I had a major league baseball pitcher look at me and go, what will you say when you stand before God and he asks you to give an account for your sin? He said, I broke. Here he is making a lot of money. He's dealing with major league baseball prospects. He's, what will you say when you stand before God? And he says, what about this sin? See, those that have repented of their sin and believed in the name of Jesus will, will simply say this. The blood of Jesus Christ cleansed me from all sin. I believed it. I received it in my life. If you haven't, and you stood before God, hey, what about this sin? I thought I was a pretty good person. What about this sin? But I don't think you understand, man, like I'm a hardworking dude. What about this sin? But you don't understand, like my neighbors needed help. We did that we cooked meals. We did this. Like we were there. Okay, but what about this sin? But, but you don't, like I tried to go to church. As much as I could. But what about the sin? Man, I even went, there was some charities and stuff, and like, you know, Facebook made it so easy. God, you know about Facebook. You don't, I don't know if you know Zuckerberg, but you know about Facebook. Man, I gave, I donated, I, I felt, felt really good. I mean, it was great. Giving Tuesday's coming up, and I gave to some. But what about the sin? And at the end of the day, left by yourself to answer for your sin. You spend an eternity in hell. For the wages of sin is death. Hey, but for those who have believed and repented and believed in the name of the Son of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.